Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we're committed to resourcing people in worshiping God and serving others meaningfully for community transformation. Here is the week's teaching. Awesome. Good to have you. Our first time guests, you're welcome. Thank you for coming for this Family Sunday. And this whole month, we are going to be talking about open secrets to a happy marriage. Now, I know that marriages, depending on what's going on, you're at different stages. Some are happy, uh, some are not so sure. It is, but one thing I know is that every marriage can get better, right? Yeah, like whatever stage you are at, you want it to be better. Anyone wants to get worse? Okay, don't put your hand up. So because we want it to get better, we want to offer you some really practical tips, ways in which you can make your marriage really work. Now, you've already heard part of my story. Uh, <laughs> you may have started out like me, really bad, or you may have started out well and found yourself in that same place, or maybe you have never known anything else. It does not matter. Every marriage is redeemable, and it can be really nice, right? So this family went to a wedding, and uh, as uh, you know, the kids started asking the parents, uh, "Mom, why is the bride in white?" And she's like, "It's the happiest day of her life." And she's like, "Okay." And the groom in black. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so you know. <laughs> It could be anything like that, but don't worry about it, right? She's stuck at 18. So, <laughs> 22 years. Awesome. We bless God for you. Thank you for keeping it going. Yay. 15 to 20. Okay, 16 to 20. 16 to 20 years, anybody? Any people? Where, where is that? Oh, yeah. Awesome. How many years? 19. We celebrate. Penny had sweets. They're out. Jesus. Come on. 19 years over there. That's as old as you. Or something. <laughs> there is a 32 back up there. And I, 22. And I, you, uh, you'll go, eh? Okay. She's just 18. She can run up the steps. <laughs> All right. Do we have... I think this, the, we are now... The sweet section is over, so you don't... No pressure. 11 to 15. 11 to 15. Yay! Yay! Awesome. Let's keep on keeping on. Yeah. 11 to 15. How many? 13. Yay. How many? 12. Woohoo! 14. So, you know, after I've been pushing for 14 years, you feel like you got this. You feel like you got this, then you break into a fight with your wife, and you're like, after 14 years? <laughs> what happened? Anyway. Do we, okay, 
So, six to ten. Six to ten. Six to ten. Yeah, yeah. Let's celebrate. Yay. Awesome. Awesome. Six to ten. Yeah. Hey, there's six to ten as well. Awesome. Yours has not started yet. That's by faith, right? Three to five. If you've been going three to five years, yay. Yes, we have enough three to fives in the house. Congratulations. Okay, zero to two. Abagode, zero to two. Was that a hand? I'm starting to find out things about people. Zero, Byron. Okay. Zero to two. Yay. All right. Within this category, how many people have not had their first anniversary yet? Like zero to one. Your first anniversary is yet to come. Where are they? Yay, yay. Atwines, Muhumuzas, there is the one here. Awesome. Keep on keeping up. Mm. Marriage is wonderful. It's awesome. You know, marriage has been given bad press. And somehow people are trying to condition us to think that it's better to, if you decide to spend life with someone else, it's better not to be married, which is not a good thing, actually, as you're going to see from the word. Let's read together Ephesians 5, 20, 24. I know we are familiar with this scripture, so don't zone it out. <laughs> don't zone it out yet. Eh? We're going to see some incredible stuff. Together it says, Wives, submit your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Verse 25, I can't hear you. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Oh, man. Now, this is the kind of scripture that makes the husbands go like, preach it, preach it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the wives are like, Damn, I'm like, what is this? How am I even supposed to do this? Remember, you feel tired just reading it if you're a wife, right? <laughs> I found a certain mystery. Uh, the, <laughs> the husbands are more aware of the wives' scriptures than the wives. And the reverse is true. The wives are more aware of that. In fact, the wives can't wait for us to go to the next part of the scripture, right? They're like, you're done with this part. Can we go to the next part? Like everyone wants to read their, like, see your part, see your part. Okay, let's move it. 27, uh-huh. And all the wives, husbands, uh-huh. love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. Ah, this is when the wives go like, you see what you're supposed to be doing to me? You see what you're, you're supposed to be presenting me what? Glorious, holy, spotless. Without blemish. Now, really, the thing is that actually, the wife of your dreams is not the one who walked down the aisle. 
That was the wife that your per the parents had prepared. The wife of your dreams is the one that you have been fashioning since that time for the men. <laughs> it's quiet in here. Quiet Presbyterian church. Okay. I'm saying your dream wife is not the one who walked down the aisle in that gorgeous gown. Your dream wife is the one you've been from that point working on with the words that you speak over her because it's your responsibility to present her to yourself holy and all these incredible things without blemish, right? Now, of course, the husband's like, is there something else? Can we move on? They're feeling tired just thinking about it like, what am I going to do? Huh? Okay. So, let me, this, let me tell you a story. Now, this story is a joke, so you're supposed to get it, okay? Because I found that some people, and then some people may take it too seriously. So I have to, like, front load it as a joke so you don't chop wires for me. So there was this incredible Beijing conference in 2008. Remember the Beijing conference for the women's liberation empowerment? So the women gathered and they, they wrote down a few things. Like, now we have found our voice. We found our freedom. These husbands, they are going to see us. So they agreed to go home and stop doing certain things. And they just go and assert your rights. Whatever your husband has been expecting you to do, just don't do it. Let them take care of their own responsibilities. You know, and then just watch a few days and see what happens. So this sister from Nigeria went back home and she got there and just stopped. No cooking, no cleaning the house, nothing. Like, man, I'm just coming from Beijing. You take care of the... So when they met again to evaluate sometimes they say, uh -huh. so what, what happened? She said, on the first day, I saw nothing. On the second day, I saw nothing. Then on the third day, I started seeing just a little bit through one of the eyes. <laughs> if your neighbor is not laughing, you need to help me interpret the joke. <laughs> Oh, man. Some people are going to get it when we are leaving. <laughs> then you see outbursts of laughter in the parking lot. Others, it will be at lunchtime. They are there having lunch, talking something else, then suddenly. <laughs> on the border. On the border guy. Then you go while on the border. Like, oh, are you okay, madam? Kumbe, <laughs> the joke has arrived. So, husbands, that's not how we are supposed to present her blemish. When she can't even see because, you know. <laughs> Do I see any Twitter pieces? It's arrived, eh? Is that for the majority? So, these scriptures are incredible and Paul is writing them to the Ephesians and instructing them on how they should live out life in a marriage 
But as you have seen, without, the instructions are clear, but we run into a few problems. One, submit to him as to the Lord. As in, you're going to submit to that guy the way you're submitted to Jesus. Like, whatever. When he speaks, it should be like it is Jesus who is speaking. And then be subject to him in everything. Waves. Is there anyone here who has been doing this? Being submissive the way you are to Jesus and being subject in everything. Has anyone succeeded? Okay. So it's not working. Okay, let's try that, guys. Love her as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. You know those things which people say when they are still dating? I will cross the oceans for you. Huh? I'll do what? I will bring you the moon. Huh. Then it drizzles. Um, but this is about Akuja. <laughs> you will cross the oceans, but not the drizzle. Sanctify and cleanse her with words. How many husbands here have never said anything negative to your wife? Okay. You see, I'm not putting up my hand. I'm just saying if you are, I'm trying to say, to signal that if you are there, please put up your hand. Present her glorious, spotless, without blemish. So, without going into the details, we see immediately that this is naturally impossible. It's impossible. No one has succeeded in doing this, even though the instructions are, are clear. What then do we do? Why is this scripture there? Is, there? is it there to frustrate us? Like, God is saying, love your wives the way Christ loves the church, just to show us how we can't do it? Or submit your husband the way you are submitted to Christ, just to show you are not submissive? Is the scripture here to accuse us? To find us wanting? Maybe not. But, in talking about love, we have to examine it a little bit deeper, because in the Bible, there are four kinds of love, either directly written or implied, because the Greeks had the way of separating the different types of love. And yet in our culture today and in the English tongue, there's only one kind of, one word, which implies all the different types of what? Of loves. Does that make sense? And so, love is the rage. I mean, people have made careers, millions of dollars, singing about love. When a man Loves a woman deep in his soul. Michael Bolton. Eh? She can give him such misery. When a... <laughs> Seriously, I don't even know how they come up with those lyrics. Huh? Said I loved you, but I lied. <laughs> Love could never feel so strong. Mm. Said I loved you, but I was wrong. Eh. 
Which other one? I'll give anything and everything to fall in love just as one time. Bring it on. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'll never be enough. I'll give anything to fall in love. And then a hero comes along with the strength to carry on. And you cast your fears aside. Huh? Hero, huh? Mm. Bring it on, bring it on. What is that? And then I. So, quick gamba. Love is a rage. Huh? Kakatas, you have witnessed the brothers and sisters in some cases in church actually don't know these songs. So they convert worship songs into love songs. <laughs> there is none like you. Oh, no one else can touch my heart like you. <laughs> yeah, I could search for eternity through and find there is none. Hold me close, let your love. Sing. Oh, breathe. Hold me to your side. They take songs which were meant for Jesus. Ah, convert them. Draw me close. <laughs> Let's not even go there. <laughs> Never let me go. Now. <laughs> I lay it all down. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> That's a bad one. <laughs> so, love is a rage. Everyone is talking about love. Everyone wants to be loved. Everyone tells everyone how they love them. But let me tell you, <laughs> when they talk about love in the Bible, there are different kinds of love. And what has confused us is the mixture of these loves. So there's Eros. We're going to look at them in detail. And there's Toje. Yeah, it's not Toje. Like if you are in, involving in conversation over some drinks and you want to show people you learned something in church, don't say stoge. You'll be found out. It's stoge, okay? Philia and agape, not agape. All right. So eros is is the sensual, physical, sensual intimacy between a husband and wife. It expresses sexual romantic. Attraction. It is actually comes from the name of the Greek mythological god of love, Eros. Talks about sexual desire, physical attraction, and physical love. 
Now you will find that most of these songs and all of the rage that goes on out there about love is actually just talking about eros. That thing which you used to have for those who used to have it or those who currently have it or those who are organizing to have it depending on what stage of your relationship is. Where you see the other person and then your heart first meets a bit, misses a bit. Like you say, you have momentary, a momentary heart attack. And then, and then it bangs several somersaults and then it lands on its back with a third. And then you lose presence of mind for just a few seconds before you compose yourself right on time to say, hello, my name is... You know what I mean? How many have ever been in that kind of love? Ah, uh, people. Am I the only one? People are quite garnering here. Although some people are currently in it, they don't want to be found out. That's okay. <laughs> like you have ever been in there, you know? Remember those letters we wrote? Oh, dedication. You start with this complicated language. Eh? Eh? Before the what? <coughs> Before I bombard you with that, you know, I would like you to, hear, to know about the atmospheric cosmogony of <laughs> Simanyi what? Eh? Then you write and put dedications. Nowadays, what are people using? WhatsApp is useless. Like you can't spray with perfume. <laughs> eh? Colored paper with flowers, and then you spray the letter properly. Speed delivery. Who remembers speed delivery? Yellow pages. Oh man, we are young. So that all of that is what eros. But things have degenerated to a point where now, when actually someone says they love you, sometimes what they actually mean is I am lasting after you. Please understand that God has designed Eros to oper operate within the boundaries of husband and wife or to attract people initially to get them on a journey to that place. Does that make sense? Okay, okay. By the time I'm done, you'll be like, oh, Chikola. Stoje is family love. The bond among mothers, fathers, sons, daughters, sisters, and brothers. Today is family Sunday, so I'm sure you invited some people. You know, some of you may have siblings and family members where you have fights. Eh? Like those people who annoy you and you annoy them, but you still love them. In fact, when something wrong happens, you're the first one there. You realize it's not that good thing that you, have, you used to have for your girlfriend that is causing you to care for your siblings. It is genuine love called stoje. And then we have philia which is a, a strong feeling of attraction, uh, of, of just friendship. The opposite of it is phobia. Have you heard of phobia? Like all the boys who went to boarding school are hydrophobic. They fear water, specifically bathing water. Does it make sense? Don't be here and pretend as if... I know people who used to bathe once a week. Some cases once every two weeks, once a month. You know, like visiting day? 
visitation. The parents are coming, so you wash off all the mud of the last one month, so they are not wondering what happened. So that's phobia. Now the opposite of that is philia. So like when you get married, you need to urgently become hydrophilic. Praise the Lord, brothers. In these tropics, with this heat and humidity, hydrophilia is essential. Then agape is the last kind of love. Let me read it word for word because this is important. Agape is selfless, sacrificial, unconditional love. The highest of the four types of love in the Bible. Agape is the term that defines God's immeasurable, incomparable love for humankind. It is his ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing concern for lost and fallen people. God gives this love without condition, unreservedly to those who are undeserving and inferior to himself. Think about it. He says, the part that got me is ongoing, outgoing, self-sacrificing love. As in, it is constant toward you and I. This is how God loves us. Now, for some, people, for some reason, some people have been convinced that God's love for us is a bit like our love for each other, which is so temperamental and based on feelings and what's going on and what's not. No. The way God loves us is so constant to the extent that we have ended up calling him love. God is love. God is agape. Now, does it make sense? So when they say, husbands, love your wives the way Christ loves the church, what kind of love are they talking about? It's agape love. It's agape love. Agape, God's kind of love, is what keeps, nurtures, and sustains a marriage. It's what keeps Natures and sustains a marriage. I, I know. I know some of you are shocked. Because you're like, hey, how about that good, good, good thing? Because you want the good, good to remain. Now, I'm going to ask a very honest question. How many married people go to that place? One day you woke up and realized you look at him or you see him coming or hear him driving in or hear her opening the door and the heart does absolutely nothing. Hands. Let's see, honestly. Like, what happened? Let me tell you, those who haven't put up their hands are just not putting them up. It is standard procedure. The good good runs out. Now, of course, all the singles are like, what? Not for me. Me, I'm going to keep mine. Eh? Okay. That's okay. It runs out and there's just enough left for the essential activities. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you don't be there. Think about you. So, like, oh, when are they coming back? <laughs> no, let me tell you. That's how marriages run into trouble because 
they thought that that thing, you probably thought, if it's feeling like this when we've just met and are dating, I think when we get married, it's just going to what? To increase. And then there was absolute and total shock when the thing kept going down until it disappeared altogether. That eros love is responsible to bring you together and it is like a seed that you plant and it dies and then out of the ground comes the real thing. I'm talking about the real thing. Dependable, reliable, God's kind of love that is independent of feelings. The way it works in marriage is you have to receive God's love. It's very bad to be married when you have not shut off God's love for you. Because you'll have nothing to pass on to your spouse. You'll use the marriage as a, cl a crutch for you to suck all the life out of the other person. Instead of bringing your own resources from God to share with the other person. Does that make sense? Am I making sense at all? Like, I really want to help you. What makes marriage sustainable, reliable, dependable, and nice and sweet is not eros. The eros will stay, as I said, you need, you know, like, you can't be the younger, you don't even want to touch the other. That don't work well. But, but, anyway. But, even for that to work, by the way, there is, we need, like, a, a different class altogether where the children are not. Like, like you, you just don't show up and, like, eros, no. <laughs> preparation preparation I'm telling you people get shocked when they get married like what happened to the thing I just wanted to before you got married I just wanted to I just wanted to sleep with him the whole time now we are married I don't want what happened the other thing is meant to bring you together. You plant it, and then you work on the real. You receive the real thing which you start giving one another. Because Paul is writing here saying, husbands, love your wives, having talked about wives already, the way Christ loves the church, and that love that Christ has for the church is not eros. It's agape love. That's what sustains and makes a marriage really happy. Now, if you're not yet married and you don't believe me, when you get married, eventually, and that good thing runs out, remember this day. Okay? Now, there are ways to sustain your feelings for your spouse. You use this kind of love and you practically do something about it. And as you do special, specific things for your spouse, actually your liking for them remains. But it is the decision and the action that leads to the feeling. It's not the feeling that leads to the decision and action. If you're going to wait, sit around and say, I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to wait here until I feel the way I used to feel again. Your spouse is going to wait for a very long time. So, move into action and the feelings will follow. Does that make sense? That's how love, that's how agape love works.
there are a few scriptures here that Jesus teaches, and all the love in these scriptures is strictly agape love. None of this is the, all the other three types of love. John 13, 13 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. How do you love one another? As I have loved you. In other words, without you receiving his love, you and I are incapable of loving one another the way we need to be doing, much less our spouses. John 59 says, As the Father loved me, I also have loved By the way, even if you don't get anything for the marriage part, just for just. For just. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Like you are as loved, Jesus loves you to the extent that God loves him. And then he says, abide in my love. Like stay there, remain, don't move. Just stay in my love. The best picture I have of this abiding in your love, have you ever seen, I come from Chitukutu where national water just arrived, so we've largely depended on rainwater. Have you ever seen those places where people depend on rainwater? Uh, where two roofs, roofs, roof, where there's a roof, and this other, where two roofs meet and there's a valley. You understand the valley? Like this roof comes at this angle, this roof comes at it, and there's a valley there. And you know what happens when it rains? All the water that comes down that valley, and usually if you're wise enough, you'll put your paper right there, just below that valley. I think that's what Jesus is saying. Put your paper right there. Abide in my life. Like position yourself to receive the maximum. Now, for you can put your paper out there in the compound where you get a few raindrops. You will not have as much water as the person who puts it right there. Why? This person is focused. John 15, 12 says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. In other words, your capability to love is incumbent upon your realization of how much you're loved. Huh. Are we together? Is this going well? I think it's going well, except for the next slide coming up. I'm convinced I'm pressing the right thing. So agape, God's kind of love, is what keeps, nurtures, and sustains the marriage. There was a when I looked across the audience in the first two services, I could sense a tinge of disappointment among the singles. Like, are you for real? Like, you mean that's all we are going to be left with? I'm telling you, God's kind of love is so much better than Eros because it's dependable. You can rely on it. Unlike our friend, the Greek goddess, just keep going. Give me another slide down. So, let's look at the scripture. Because for me, this scripture talks about vision. We are going to paint the vision for your marriage and my marriage. Alright? Galatians 5, 22-23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, let me hear you, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Now imagine for a moment that this is the picture of your marriage. Ah! Ah! Mr. and Mrs. You know, the, those Westerners, they have those typical names they use in, in someone's like Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Now when you are in Kampala, what do you use? Mukasa? Okay. All right, whatever your marriage is. Let's, let's say this is Mose and Ari's marriage. Now, this is the fruit of the Spirit. What this means is, because we are in Christ, we already have this fruit. That's the first point I should make. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and you already have the whole complete fruit of the Spirit. Which means this is possible for all of us who are in Christ. Now imagine, I, I want you to imagine for a moment that Moses' marriage, Moses and Ari, their marriage is full of love. Oh. What kind of love are they talking about? Agape love. Love where you have a concern for the other person that is independent of their behavior. The fruit of the spirit. Moses and Ari's marriage is full of love. Full of Joy. Now imagine your marriage full of joy. Like your house. When people come in, they just, the joy is quotable. My wife told you how the joy had been, it disappeared. Like you could, the sadness was transferable. You're like, you just needed to be around us and even you, you become sad. <laughs> but now the opposite is true. Like joy which is contagious. What would that look like? If your house was full of joy, what would that look like? There would be laughter, right? There would be singing, right? When was the last time you laughed with your spouse? Like from the depth. You know, there's this laughter. <laughs> then there's that, that laughter which makes your diaphragm move. When was the last time you had that laughter with your spouse? You laugh at something. You know, when, when your love is working, you even laugh at silly things. There's a friend of mine, we had such incredible failure, we could laugh at an ant and even fall down. Like all of us would start imagining things about this ant. <laughs> and laugh until we fall down. Just anything, we could laugh at anything. Now, with your spouse, has life become so serious? The bills... The kids being dropped to school, the, the landlord, the job, the reports, that laughter has disappeared out of your house. Find a way of bringing laughter back into your house. If possible, watch cartoons. Yeah, like, like you have to be practical about it. Or download jokes and read to each other. <laughs> do, do something. Let's be practical about it. Don't wait for joy to come up with and catch up with you. No, the joy is already on the inside. It's just waiting for you to unlock the tap. You know, the evidence that there is water in a, a, a pipe is the opening of the tap. If you don't open the tap, the water will come and end right there. And you'll be thirsty. God supplies the fruit of the spirit, but guess whose responsibility it is to open it up? For consumption, yours and mine. Joy, peace, oh, perfect peace. 
How many people here have had a fight with your spouse in the last one month? We are, we are now, this is the church of the delivered, redeemed, honest people. Yeah. Like, when you have two people who each have a brain that works, there are going to be differences of what? Opinion. And sometimes those are going to become sharp differences of opinion. That's when peace comes in. And after every fight, restores the two factory settings. We haven't yet even talked about long suffering. <sighs> long suffering. Now you guys have come to the 12 o'clock service. Maybe this does not apply to you very much. But how many of you know you can agree we are living at 7.30? Departure time is 7.30. In other words, at 7.30, we all need to be seated in the car and it needs to be pointing in the direction of the desired destination. So you remind everyone, Kate, 7.30, right? Yeah. Bay, 7.30. Yeah, 7.30. Yeah. Why? Because we need to be there by 8. 7.30? Yeah, 7.30, everyone? 7.30? 7.30? It is settled. School starts at 8. We all need to be here by 8. So 7.30. And then what happens at 7.30? At 7.30, for some reason or other, a lot of things that still need to be done surface. They're like a submarine. They say they've just been hiding below the sea and when you're agreeing at about 7.30 no one knew they are there. But at exactly 7.29 that's when the makeup needs to be done. Some other people haven't brushed their teeth. ATC 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 my wife has this interesting thing. Like we can be somewhere and then like just when we are about to leave is when she pours herself another cup of tea. And you know, tea is not like soda. You're not going to just <laughs> and I'd be like who made tea? <laughs> Lord Which is just another word for patience. <laughs> Kindness. Can you imagine just being kind to your person? Kindness. Goodness. Faithfulness. Forsaking all others. Gentleness. Gentleness. Self-control. Imagine for a moment that we, this was the picture of your marriage. Is it possible? Yes. But unfortunately, here is the thing. This is not the fruit of Mose. 
This is not the fruit of desire. This is not the fruit of Dorcas. This is the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, for your marriage to actually operate in agape and be like this, the Holy Spirit must be involved. Because it is the Holy Spirit that reveals the Father's love to us. Worship team, you can come up as we conquer. Agape again is God's kind of love and it's what keeps, nurtures and sustains a marriage. Lastly, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. The man must leave his father and mother. That talks about maturity. So if the dude must speak to his mother every single day, maybe they are not ready for you. Okay? One of the crucial issues that disturbs marriages is in-laws. The person is like, did I live? Did I not? So when some stuff breaks out, then you are wondering which side is your spouse? Are they with me? Are they with them? They didn't leave. There must be departure. And then two, be joined. That's be wedded. Be covenanted. Let me tell you, just ending up in the same house and sleeping together is not covenant. <laughs> you must be joined in the presence of witnesses. That's how it works. Now, it may have gone a little bit different for you circumstantially. Let's allow for the circumstances, but let's not let the circumstances become the new truth. Does that make sense? The truth stays as it is. And God invites us to live according to his truth. Not to adjust his truth to fit our circumstances. So you must live and be joined, be covenanted, be wedded to your wife, to your spouse by covenant. And then you become one flesh. Intimacy and fruitfulness. Why? Why, why do we say these things? You know, they're in the Bible, but why? Because marriage is a picture of God's, Christ's agape love for the church, where we are covenanted to him for life without having to prove ourselves first. So if you feel like you must test drive each other, <laughs> sorry, but this, I've had this stuff. I'm told it's there. Before you make the decision, what are you doing? You're walking according to the law. If you want to find out compatibility first, you're walking according to the law. You're saying, I will only love you based on if you're good enough for me. And that kind of love does not make a marriage. So, the Bible says the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So, the law is like the school system. What do we know about the school system? You have to pass all the tests, courseworks, assignments, and exams. Then they finally give you your certificate. But it says that our relationship with Christ is like a marriage. What do we know about the marriage? You go to church, you get covenanted, and what happens? They give you the certificate 
before you start. Think about that. It says in Hebrews 10, 14, by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Like, you come to Christ, first of all, he says, perfect, perfect. Then you start the journey of walking with him. It's not like you first do things, you know, all the stuff you've been told, stop smoking, sleeping around, whatever, then you'll become acceptable to God. No way. That's not how it works. Once you come to God, he says instantly, perfect, and then says, now let's walk. And that's how a marriage works. You get covenanted with someone, and you're like, we were made for each other. We are perfect for each other. And then you start the journey of blessing each other, annoying each other, forgiving each other, uh, rubbing each other the wrong way, learning to love the way Christ loves the church. So when you are walking in agape love, you don't need to feel it. You can tell someone, I love you, not based on what you're feeling at the moment. You can be in the same bed. I know some of you have experienced this when there's cold war going on. It's one bed, but there's a Berlin wall somewhere separating that bed from head. And you can turn around and shout across, or rather whisper across that Berlin wall and say, I love you. That is what makes a marriage. So the next time you tell someone, I love you, I want you to be thinking, what kind of love are you talking about? God bless you. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0312-281-555.